gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty, and with me, as always, is the man who is fluent in over six million forms of communication, Mr. Drew Celestino. Hmm. Six million forms, and yet I don't understand Ewoks very well. But do you speak bocce? Uh, of course, sir. It's like a second language to me. All right, just making sure. Evaporators. <laughs> Moisture. Ah. Uh, How you doing, sir? Okay. You're okay? What a chore to get here today, man. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. It's it's weird. When, when, when I'm driving up here at 6 o'clock, 6 to 6.15-ish... Take on, 290? On the 290. Yeah. Um, kind of hit some traffic. It's not so much the traffic. Okay. It's the it's the sun. Yes. It, yes. It is like there is no coverage. There is no clouds. Nope. The, the sun nope. is in the perfect point in the sky to be directly. You are driving into the sun. Yep. Literally. Well, as a... Blinding. C, as C. Montgomery Burns once stated, man has always yearned to blot out the sun. This is true. This is very true. And I think for the most part, we, as soon as we figure out how to keep the gravitational effects of the sun working, we can blot out the sun because everything else the sun gives us, we can create artificially. Um, is that accurate? I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't light. know. We, um, can, we can make light. Yeah. Like for growing lamps. We do that already. Uh, vitamin D. I think, we have vitamin I think D supplements. I mean, like, you might want to consider heat. We can. You're saying we can't generate heat artificially? Uh, not like the sun can. <laughs> eh, we could still generate heat. We're from we're from Buffalo. We're used to a lower level of heat most of the time than uh, the rest of. I think you underestimate the coldness of the universe, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe a scarf, some gloves. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get you signed up for that Mars mission. Bring your scarf and gloves. There you go. So it's just you and I this week, sir. Tis it's back been, back to the twosome. First uh, first time in a, in a little while now that we, we uh, it's just us. Uh, we are in as Drew mentioned. We are in Monte Carlo Studios in my place. Um, Jen unfortunately is feeling a little under the weather. Drew's wife. So Jen, we hope you feel better. That being said, sir, how was your week? Ah. <sighs> Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Let me get comfortable. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Um had my brew. Uh we can get we can dive into that if you like. Yeah, um, we got a we got a kitchen brew coming up. Sorry, right, maybe I'll save the story for that then. Um so I had a, I had a brew Saturday. Uh Sunday was rather uneventful. Um mostly just hanging out with the old man, enjoying the uh the Bills game and some some fine beers. And then uh, the usual, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> slog. That is my week. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. I like that word. A good uh, yeah. slog. Good slog. Um, you use that. Nothing eventful occurred in over the last uh, five days since the weekend when events happened. So, gotcha. That's it, man. That's where. Because the... um, I know you and your dad used to go to a pizza plant for your, your yeah. Sundays. Where are you guys going pizza plant, pizza, pizza plant has long since been abandoned. <laughs> yes. Um, reasons. Uh, no, we generally, uh, if we go out now, we're going to hit up uh, the Griffin Pub. Uh, Griffin Door? Hmm? Griffin Door? N- no. Okay. Well, you know, just, just checking. The, the, the Griffin Pub. Uh <laughs> There are two locations. Uh, we do not go to the one in Niagara Falls for obvious reasons. A little far. So one on Transit Road um, up near, uh, what is that, Klein? 
I want to say Klein. It's up there. It's north. Okay. Going out towards Clarence. Um, but 100 taps, uh, usually... Wow. Yep. And uh, they rotate in great stuff. And the menu is actually fantastic. I've had tons of stuff on it, and everything is really good. So, uh, yeah. So, like, typical pub food? Or? Gastro pub. So, okay. eclectic. Not eclectic, but a little beyond just pub hipster. food. No. I wouldn't say hipster. I'd say just good food. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I trust your opinion when it comes to the foods. I, I do enjoy the foods. Yeah, excellent. Um, so, yeah, outside of the brew, which we can dive into at a later point, that that's it. That was the week. I will avoid uh, dwelling on much more than that. <laughs> there you go. All righty. How about you? How was the week? Um, It was a week. You know, nothing... <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. That's yeah. a week. Yeah, but you, you've got kind of a downtrodden tone to your week where I'm just I like, know. Hey, you know what? But then I chip her up. I get into a story and I perk right up. So it's, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, work stuff, baby stuff. Picked up the uh, Luke Cage soundtrack this week. Ah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Oh, mixed reviews? Mixed reviews. Why? All the music is great. Yeah? Here's the thing. I would have liked, you know how traditionally uh, movies will do, you'll get like, Depending on the movie, you'll get two soundtracks. You'll get the like, score and music like, inspired by or music used in the movie. Sure. And then the second soundtrack will be the score. Yeah. They kind of threw those two together for this. Okay. So there's like 54 tracks on the album. Ooh. But they kind of shortchange you on like the music used in the movie. Like you don't get all of the music that was played in Harlem's Paradise. Mm. You only get like three or four songs. Oh. And then you get the um the Method Man rap, the the Bulletproof Love. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. great. Um but then the rest of it is the orchestral score, which is fantastic. Do you get the theme song? Yes. All you right. get the theme song, all you right. get the opening theme, you get the closing theme, you get a lot of the orchestral that was used in it, which is great because it sounds like, you know, seventies action film score which sure. it's great but i would have really liked more of the license yeah. score mm-hmm. yeah i would have liked a cd of the of the licensed music um so yeah got that and listen to that at work um nothing too much had a big week at the shop this week a lot of yeah likewise big stack likewise we're gonna be going into a little bit of that but yeah that was pretty much it so nothing too too outrageous or crazy for us this week but listeners as always if you want to tell us about your week if you want to make a suggestion to us about the show if you would like to communicate with us in any way shape or form you can do so at the following mediums you can follow us on twitter at devil's do pod you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the devil's do or just devil's do one week i'm gonna get through this without screwing up i hope so yeah, well, you know, we can dream. So, someone else out there has the handle that you're screwing up. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and they're getting messages, and they're like, "Who? Who? Who's what? I don't. I don't care about Daredevil. I'm just. A, <laughs> I'm just a satanic practitioner. Hey, man. Um, you can email us at thedevilsdewpod at gmail dot com, or you can find all this information on our awesome website, thedevilsdewpodcast dot com. Now. This is our 16th episode. Sixth. Oh, my. Really? 16. 16. Yeah. So. We can drive. We can drive. No more learner's permit for us. We we can get our license to drive. Um, Do we get to drive a Mercedes? 
with uh, Heather Graham passed out in the trunk. Yeah. Quite possibly. All right. Blue Cadillac. Can I get 80s Corey Feldman and not new weirdo Corey Feldman? <laughs> oh, did you see his I'm trying not to, it's honestly. So no. Great. I know that he's doing like it's I know so he's great. doing things now, but I don't care. It's I don't want to like, see it. It's like sitting next to the train tracks with a big old bucket of popcorn because you know trains <laughs> are coming from each direction oh, God. and they're just going to collide. Oh, I don't want it. No, it's I I, I Morbid curiosity got the better of me the first time. I'm not going through that again. It's so great. I don't know about that. But. Folks, if you're wondering what we're talking about, just go on YouTube and search Corey Feldman Today Show Performance <sighs> or Good Morning America Performance, whichever one. I believe he's performed on either one. You know, okay, so here's the thing. If, if the first one was a train wreck, certifiable, and it, and it was, and everyone, but here's the problem, though. It was a train wreck that everyone talked about so it got attention. Yeah. For the wrong reasons, but it got attention. Yeah, yeah. So what'd they do? They gave him another shot on it. Yep. See, this... Uh, which look, was even more see, of a train wreck. Th- now I know the media is just screwing with us. Like, that's... <laughs> if it's bad, don't put it on. Even if it's like... Uh, uh, that's just... that's that's Maybe... Listen. That's silly. Maybe it's just they, they've got a slot to fill. And there's no one else out there. Like Long Cold Dark is waiting by the <laughs> phone, son. I'll show up. In, I'll go to New York City tonight. <laughs> okay, so this being our 16th episode, and we for a good chunk of those episodes, we've had some viewer questions as we do tonight. Okay, um, so keep I th- them coming. I think it's time we uh, we view we we name the viewer questions. Oh, I thought, I thought you said it was time for a theme song. I'd have to. I have to go to work then. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to stop you from from working your magic. Ah, uh, bumps are hard to write. I just let's just, or maybe just like sound effect. Maybe I'm, maybe not so much for this one as is like, well, yeah, you know what? Do, do you you do your thing anyway. <laughs> I thought we could call the viewer question segment of the show cross examination. Okay, I like it. All right. Keeping with the court thing. You you got a, you got a thing going here. Did I say court is in session? I don't think I said court is in session. You might be slipping. Well, court is now in session, it, and it's time for cross-examination. Okay. And as with our good friend, Jay Gelsamino. Uh, Jay's been... Jay might need a song. Jay's been keeping up with questions, folks. Some of you out there who have sent in questions have been slacking off a little bit, so please keep those questions coming to us. Cross-examine us, if you will. Drew, hi. Your question from Mr. Gelsomino. I'm, I'm I'm all ears. Do you feel that Dick Jones's arms grew <laughs> as he fell out of the building after RoboCop shot him because his arms are like the Grinch who stole Christmas's heart? <laughs> Jay, please, for the love of God, when you write these questions, read them out loud to yourself before you hit the send button. Thank you. Signed. Lovingly, Carl Duty. Wait, was that part of his question? No, that's. I'm just saying. Oh, that, that's that an aside. Kind of a, no, that, yeah, that was just aside. So okay. So the first. So the first. This is a two part question. Then you have a second question. Okay. So the first part of a question again. Do you feel that Dick Jones's arms mm-hmm. grew as he fell out of the building after RoboCop shot him because his arms are like the Grinch who stole Christmas's heart? Um, that was a mouthful. Yes, his arms are proportional to the size of his guilt. 
Ah, I see what you did there. And in that moment, he knew he was guilty. All righty. And section B of the question. Okay. Did Dick finally see the errors of his ways during that faithful plummet? Um, no. No, he did not. All right. Because if he did, the arms would have shrank back down to size. Mm. He would have accepted his guilt. Science. Yeah. See? You know, I, I mentioned a couple episodes back that I've been watching through uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. Again which I'm in the last season, but there was an episode, uh, I think early season six, where the actor who played Dick Jones oh, yeah. played the captain, took over the Enterprise for a little bit. Was he a, was he a jerk there, too? Yep. Yep. He's got... Yep. He, he had the jerk role down. Yeah. That was his niche. Yeah. He's good he's, at it. He's got such a kindly grandfather look to him, too. Oh, don't cross Dick Jones. No. <laughs> okay. He's a real shark. Jay's second question. Okay. Do you know anyone else who has the name Black Dynamite? Lots of cats have that name. Oh, little girl. That's right. Lots of cats have that name. That's correct. Good good answer. Okay. Here's... You're, you're so far away. I know. But in it, it, we, it, it'd be awkward if we were any closer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I'll, I'll agree that. Okay. Carl. What's up? Who do you feel is the more misunderstood character in film history? Okay. The Gimp in Pulp Fiction mm. or Eddie Arcadian in The Last Dragon? You know, I'm going to say Eddie Arcadian because, you know what? We know what the Gimp's about. The Gimp's there. You see him. You know what he's about. I, Eddie Arcadian. I don't know. I have, I have questions about the Gimp. Eddie Arcadian. Is he a villain? Yeah. But you know what? He was just trying to get uh, what's-her-name's career off the ground, up and running. And did he take some extreme measurements to do so? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he did. He threw in with the Shogun of Harlem, which, you know, is timely for this show now. Um, <laughs> but his his intentions were good. I, I okay. All right. It's your question. I'm like, I have that. All right. Okay. 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 Next question. Okay. In episode 2F09, when Itchy plays Scratchy's skeleton like a xylophone, he strikes the same rib in succession, yet he produces two clearly different tones. I mean, what are we to believe? That this is a magic xylophone or something? See, that's just a stolen question. And yes, it was a magic xylophone, but that's just a stolen question. You're slacking, Jay. You're getting lazy. We, we, we Okay. We, we have a question for Alan, but he's we, not here. We, Alan is not here, but I believe Jay said he could answer via email. Okay. Alan. Wherever you wherever are. Wherever you he, are. He's in Atlanta this week. He's morning. in Hotlanta. Hotlanta. Alan is in the is, is in the birthplace of twerking. Alrighty. I hope he's got the whole twerk team up on his business <laughs> right now. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, Alan. Okay, Alan, if you're here, you can answer or email your response next week. So we're expecting your response next week, Alan. Would you rather be the Prince of Zamunda or the King of Panama? I can't wait for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Joe or Jay's questions. So far away. Okay, that brings cross-examination to a close. Oh, okay. But now we get to open up the case files. Okay. Drew, I said last week... That I'm so happy it's October. Yeah. I'm very happy it's You're, October. Okay. But now I'm slightly less happy that it's October, which because it means that it is not December. Ah. More importantly, it means it's not December 16th. Ah. The 
day after my birthday. Wait, it opens on the 16th? Yes. Star Wars we're talking about, right? Yes, Rogue Star One. Wars Rogue One. New trailer Damn, this week. Damn, I have a show the 16th. Oh. <laughs> Drew? What am I going to do here? Um, priorities are clear. I'm trying to think if there's any possibility of a midnight showing the night before. They don't really do midnight showings anymore. Bite your they tongue. Do, they no, do. no, I'm saying they do like, you know, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, things like that. That's so even more convenient. That. That's yeah. even more convenient. Yeah, I can't do midnight shows anymore. No, I'm old. The last midnight show I did <laughs> was Man of Steel. And I. Oh, I that's, that's too late for 9 11 imagery. <laughs> you don't want to see that before bed. Come on now. The, the next day, I was just useless. I was like, yeah. I'm at that age, can't do midnight. Well, that in the, that in the movie. And, yeah, you know. well, the movie. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Rogue yesterday One. Rogue One final trailer came out. Is this the final trailer? Yes. Okay. I good. mean, we'll probably have some TV spots. I don't need anything else. I'm good. Yeah, I think I, I think I I've as seen well enough. Good uh, thoughts on the trailer. Um, I love the trailer. Here's okay. why. Aesthetically, my God, this movie looks. Amazing. It's just great. Gorgeous looking. It looks, you know what it looks like? You know what it looks like? What? It looks like how the prequels should have looked. (laughs) It looks, it's got the Star Wars aesthetic to a T, but it's, but, but yet it's, it's familiar, but completely different at the same time. It's, I don't know how they did it, but it is both familiar yet all new. I don't, I, I can't even, Begin to describe how they did that. I don't know. But it looks like Star Wars. It feels like Star Wars. But the cinematography just looks so, like, I don't, I don't know. It looks rich. And, and the lighting looks more dynamic than the originals. But it's clearly the same art direction. But the cinematography is way better. Well, I think the it's difference just is like, also budget. Budget, maybe. But I, it, uh, it just looks... It's a, it, The eyes... It it makes love to the yeah. eyes. I think like you're also another part of that is you're seeing locations that we have not previously seen in Star Wars movies. Sure, beaches, tropical things like that. Um, I don't as much. A lot of people have have complained about the aesthetics of the prequel trilogy. Yeah, because they're garbage. I don't have as much that complaint only because I recognize that as being like that universe is kind of golden age so things are going to look ah, so shiny things, and pretty. Th- things looked fake and cartoonish. Well as far I'm talking about like the design of it not yeah, yeah, yeah. physical visual of it but no. Well, that's I, what I'm getting at. I'm getting I, at the visuals. I loved, I loved the trailer. I think ah, I think it showed just like just a, a hair too much. Because like really? there's a quick scene in, I'm like, well, that character's clearly about to die. Which uh, don't tell me. Uh, yeah, no, I was about to say, me. do you want me to play? Well, see, here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. I expect all of them to die. Yeah, yeah. Because I was about to say, we know what the outcome of the story is. So, in order to create dramatic tension, they have to establish that none of these characters are safe. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't want this to be the beginning of, like, a whole new film series that they do. I I want this to be a one-shot-and-done story. I think that's exactly what it's going to be. So, yeah, but other than that, absolutely loved it. Love seeing, like, that classic trilogy, like you were mentioning, aesthetic in action, classic stormtroopers, X-Wings flying around. See, that's, like, the specifics. I just spent, like, like, the one scene that really sticks out to me... That scene when she's in the jail cell and they're showing the the the, 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 the bars have the rounded yeah. 
that like, like that empire wall yeah but you see the stormtrooper walking outside it just looks so yeah, it looks really great it looks interesting it's like they took all the ingredients but they've mixed them in such a way that it looks totally new yeah and it, and it just blows your mind i have a question yeah does to you does the death star look significantly bigger no, it, in this film than it did in the ori- original. I think we're just Again, getting. We have a huge difference of budget. It just um, seems like it's so much bigger. I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, it looks like the size of a small moon. Okay, all right. That's <laughs> eight. That's that's no moon. I I know that. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks really cool, man. It just it just looks really really cool. Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, and even Vader, even though I'm all Vadered out, they even made they even managed to make Vader kind of look. I don't get how you can be Vadered out. Because the prequels ruined him. No, they didn't. Um, they didn't. Dude, Vader died on the slab right there. His cool factor nope. died. You Does know what brought it back, though? The Marvel series has brought him back. Of course it has. Um, but no, he looks really cool in, the, in that trailer, and that one scene when he comes out of the fog or whatever. Yeah. Here's why it's really cool. I mean, number one, Vader's got a very striking silhouette, so obviously it looks cool. But yeah. he's walking with purpose like fast yeah vader don't move fast so the fact that he is moving fast tells me that dude that he's going to see is in he's in trouble (laughs) yeah we got some and poorly for him uh we got some insight into the role that uh maz mads mickelson mads nicholson mickelson 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 plays in this uh that he i guess has a key role in the design of the death star the weapon the, the laser yeah he he built the, the six point laser that converges into one and then shoots. Yep. That's not physically possible. So I'm curious to see how they explain it. Hey, it's called science fiction for a reason. I, I hear you. It's all good. It's all good. So did you read before Marvel reacquired the license mm. back when it was still with Dark Horse? Did you read the Star Wars series? No, it was just titled Star Wars. Oh, that one, the Brian Wood one. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. With the Alex it, Ross covers. Yeah. Yes, yes, I yeah. did. I really liked, it was a very small arc they did for like three issues. It was like the it was like the C story. Like you've got the A and B story going on. This is like the C story. Like Leia takes an X-Wing and goes to the ruins of find Alderaan. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And then you've got like one of the old Republic, not old Republic, but Republic ships the precursor to the star destroyers from the prequel uh floating or flying around in the asteroid field that was once alderaan and she she gets brought on board and there's like one guy living on it and he is just like collecting all he can of like what's left of alderaan's heritage yeah yeah, yeah i remember that and it turns out he's the guy who designed the laser ah i was like wow yeah that's awesome too bad it's not canon anymore. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not. I mean, that was I like that series. I thought that was a pretty good series. I like what Marvel's doing now. It was it was pit and miss. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I had some issues with it, but uh, no, it was good. I like what Marvel's doing now. The, yeah, the main Star Wars series is still entertaining. Vader ended. I haven't read the final issue. Yeah, yet, was, but, uh, uh, did you stay with it? Because I remember yeah, yeah. you weren't. I'm behind, but I I did stick with it. I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Um, I think the, uh, the evil droids are the coolest thing. Oh god, <laughs> they're they are amazing. A homicidal protocol droid. Yes, and, and a homicidal R two astromech droid that's essentially war machine. Yeah. It, uh, I hope they need to get their own series. I they probably will. <laughs> I hope so. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Um. So yeah, that's December. 
There's some other news that oh, came out this week. You're not happy. <sighs> hey, Zach. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Snyder. Can I, can I talk to Zach Snyder, please? Bro. What's up, bro? <sighs> Hi, Zach. It's going to be so sick, bro. <laughs> Zach, um, I'm not sure if you understand how water works, but. Having a suit of armor makes it difficult to swim. Bro, they're they're underwater people, bro. They know how to swim no matter what. So it doesn't matter. Bro. Sick. You're talking about the Mara costume, right? Of course, I'm Uh, referring to the the image release. They released an image of Amber Heard as uh, Queen Mara from the Justice League movie. And... Uh, I don't know. I didn't hate it that bad. It looks like it's it's honestly, it's pretty faithful. It's not the worst looking thing they've done so far. To be honest, I saw the picture and all I thought was like, oh, someone's doing a Mara cosplay. Really? That's all I really thought of it. All right. To be honest, that's all I think about most of uh, these costumes that I see now, especially in in the DC side of things anyway. It's always like, Oh, someone's cosplay. Oh wait, oh that. Oh no, that's that's real. Oh, ironically, okay. ironically enough, someone posted a uh, a retouched up picture online without the the color flush. Mm, yes, yeah. He loves to yeah. Hundred percent better. Hundred percent better. Still armor, which I'm not crazy about. But well, even the Flash has armor in this universe because when you think speed, you yeah. think of armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that closes the case files. That's it. Okay. okay. Um, we got some comics to talk about. Go on. Uh, I know we're both going to talk about the current issue of Daredevil, but then we both also uh, read. We have diverse palette. I would say between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get to Daredevil, what uh, what else do you read this week? Uh, I read the newest issue of Saga. Um, great series, as I've been saying for a while, and it continues to be so. Still the best series going monthly it's, comics day? Um, it's it's one of them, easily. Top three, I think. All right. It's, it, 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 it ends up at the top of my read pile, like, all you know, everything else kind of gets pushed down. New issue of Saga. Um, I read the newest issue of Paper Girls, also great. Brian, yep. Brian K. Vaughn, dude. I, I'll, I'll read all his stuff. I don't care. Um, I read uh, the newest issue of Lazarus by Greg Rucka. That series is really good. If you're not reading Lazarus, I really, really recommend it. It's good stuff. Uh, Greg Rucka and Michael Lark. Great comic book. Um, And um, not Daredevil proper, but I read uh, the second issue of the Daredevil Punisher crossover. (laughs) You're just at the second issue? Yeah, you know. It was like six issues long ended three months ago. I know, I'm, you know. Going through, right. going through the pile. Okay. I'm not right. enjoying that series. It's not very good. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not it good. Was, it's not good. It was used to push season two. Oh, well. So. Yeah, a lot of tail wagging the dog there. <laughs> anyway. Um, if if you're not liking it now, I would say just stop. I have the issues. I might as well just get through them <laughs> so we can maybe talk about it on the show when we get around to Daredevil season two. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Um, and, um, uh, what else did I read this week? Uh, I already said Paper Girls, I already said Lazarus, I already said Saga. Um, oh, Doom Patrol number two came out. I didn't know you were reading Doom Patrol. Hell yeah, I'm reading Doom Patrol. Okay. I'm a, I, I'm a Grant Morrison acolyte, man, even though he's not writing it. I saw, <laughs> I saw the, like, 
the announcement that DC was starting a new imprint. Yeah, Young Animal. Young Animal, and I saw it was being done by Gerard Way. And I instantly said, I'm like, oh, Drew's going to hate that. Well, why? Because he's from My Chemical Romance or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about his band, but apparently his just like, comics work is good. Well, here's why I checked it out. Just to full disclosure. All right. Um, I once heard an interview or read an interview that he gave with Grant Morrison. So, like, the two of them together. He's basically a Grant Morrison acolyte. Like, he he grew up loving Grant Morrison stuff, and it's like, Grant Morrison's, like, one of his biggest influences. And, yeah. they're, and they're buddies. So, when it's like, hey, this kid who really... Kid, he's, like, 40 now. <laughs> um, anyway, this dude who really loves Grant Morrison is taking over the book that more or less made Grant Morrison famous. One of them, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to perk up and take interest okay especially when i saw the lineup of characters it's got robot man it's got flex mentalo i was just like all right that okay you got my attention so how was it the first issue was maybe as expected uh very weird okay almost off-puttingly though so i was kind of i was on the fence like okay i'm, I'm like he's trying too hard to do morrison s- no, he's the thing is he's not doing morrison but it's a very right. it's a very weird book okay but the first issue was kind of like, all right, it's weird, and I expected that, but I'm really not sure if I like it just yet. Second issue comes around, now it's clicking, and I like it. It's good. Um, right. It's it's still weird, but things are kind of falling into place. So, like, in the first issue, I'm not going to spoil too much, but in the first issue, you kind of get introduced to your new uh, human grounded character, yeah. which is this, this ambulance driver woman, and she's like your kind of gateway. And then things around her start getting crazy. She's the POV so, character. She's the POV character. And then, like, Robot Man, Cliff... Um, Cliff... Huxtable? No, not Huxtable. I forgot <laughs> his last name. Uh, I keep wanting to say Cliff Secord, but I know that's not right, because he's the Rocketeer. Cliff um, Burton? No, not Cliff Burton, unfortunately. Mm. No. Um, but no, Cl- Robot Man, Cliff, um, he is in some, like, micro-dimension, and he ends up getting kicked out of it somehow. It's This is really hard to explain. And he gets out into the real world... And he gets hit by a truck, and he's disassembled entirely. So the the ambulance driver... Disassembled Johnny Five? Yeah, kind of. She picks <laughs> up all his parts and takes him back to her apartment. It's very yeah. strange. Well, in the second issue, he's reassembled. And um, he becomes reactivated, and he's Cliff. And if you ever read Doom Patrol, Cliff is like the... He is the main protagonist, I would argue, of the entire entirety of Doom Patrol. All right. And even though he's a robot, he's a brain in a in a machine. He is like the most like an human- organic brain. He has an organic brain. All right, so he's a cyborg. He's not a robot. But his name is Robot Man. So I you don't know. care. He's a cyborg. His name well, should be Cyborg Man. Well, that was kind of taken by a certain character in the Titans, my friend. So well, yeah, know. called Cyborg. Exactly, not Cyborg Man. I'm just saying, dude. So. <laughs> At the time of robot, hang on. Point of clarification. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I getting a little too Drew for you? At, at the time of of his creation in the 1960s, cyborg was probably not a, a hip term they tossed around back then. So, robot man with a steam shovel jaw that was probably as good as you were going to get, mm. especially out of DC. Well, yeah. It's not like Stanley was writing this stuff. You know, you take what you can get. All right. So anyway, Cliff has been reassembled, and he's Cliff. So he's the thing about Cliff is like he's. He just has like this surly attitude like he, situation can get as insane and weird as anything and he never like gets intimidated by it. He just kind of like goes like ah crap and he goes to work like that's that's just his attitude like All right. very grounded 
And for a guy who's a robot brain and a metal body in a book about weird stuff, he is the most human character, and it's great. So, so far, two issues in. I'm, I'm, it's, it's off to a good start. Okay. Looking forward to more Doom Patrol. And then I read the new, I uh, got caught up, I should say, on the current run of Daredevil. Awesome. Which we will get to momentarily. Yes. After I discuss a couple books I read this week. Uh, first, we'll, we'll start with The Good. Which was Reborn, number one. Ah, Mark Millar. By Mr. Mark Millar and art by Greg Capullo. Ah. Who, as bad as the new 52 Batman run got after uh, Death of the Family, Capullo's art's still great to look oh, at. Oh, yeah. He, th- that yeah. man can draw. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's good, good work. Yes. Um, I always like Mark Millar's stuff. I, it's hit and miss for me, but it's more hit than miss. Okay, and the thing I like about Mark well, the, the, uh, the thing about Mark Millar, um, this this is going to come across as a compliment, but also it can be seen as a negative. He never gets too heavy. It's just always really solid, readable work. I notice that he can hit the right emotional chord when he needs to, like Starlight. Yes, yes. Starlight Agreed. was just yeah, Starlight's a great book. There were there were some there were some moments in Starlight just rip your heart. Right to read Superior. Similar. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. knows how to get the heartstrings going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Huck. Did you read Huck? No, I didn't read Huck. Read Huck? Huck is good. I will read Huck. Okay, so uh, Reborn, issue number one. Um, again, he kind of knows how to hit the heartstrings. Okay. Uh, more or less, so the story so far, just to kind of <clears throat> wrap it up in a nutshell, uh, old lady dies, wakes up in a, a different reality. Oh. Like a more science fiction reality. With Does she remember her old life? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All the people who have, like, it, a lot of the issues leading up, like, she's talking about, she's old in that she's watched a lot of people that she's loved pass away. Like, she's kind of like the, whole, the last one holding on. Okay. Like, her best friend's gone, her husband's gone, things like that. It's much more emotional than I'm like, trying It's like to the be. opening to Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not Not completely unlike that. Um, and then she has a stroke and you think she's passing away that they didn't, you know, pronounce death so much, but as she's on the operating table, she wakes up, she's considerably younger and she's in this like outfit. Um, and she, there's this like this ship hovering overhead, like shines a a light down on her, but then these other people show up and start to rescue her. And like, turns out like one of them's her father. Who's like the memories that she's talking about in the beginning of the book, and one of the memories is you know having fun with her father. So it's it's interesting. Okay, it looks solid. Looks really good. Definitely gonna gonna stay on for for issue two and hopefully beyond. Um, the second book I want to talk about. <sighs> <laughs> wow. <sighs> you know when you put the name All Star in front of something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is no middle ground, sir. You either get really, really good Superman, all-star Superman, or you get really, really bad. Batman. All-star, the original all-star Batman, which breaks my heart, because if I was to tell you, hey, we're going to give you a Batman series written by Frank Miller. Well, my red with, flag would immediately go up. With say, art it, by Jim Lee. I, I hear you, but I would ask you, is it Frank Miller? Exactly. From 1986, is or or is it Frank Miller yeah. now? <laughs> is it, it pre Dark Knight Strikes Again, Frank Miller? Right, exactly. 
Unfortunately, it was not, and that series was really, really terrible. Yep. Um, Disaster. This The new All-Star Batman is done by Scott Snyder. Who people seem to like. Most people. You not know, us. Here's... <laughs> Here's here's how here's what I equate Scott Snyder to. Yeah, he's that quarterback that started out with a r- couple really good games, but he's floundered kind of since then. But you know he's got talent, and you know when he's on, it's really good. But he just hasn't been on. Okay, that's kind of what I equate Scott Snyder to. And I thought after the first two issues of this that we were getting back to that court of owls, death of the family, Scott Snyder, mm. not. Rest of Batman New 52 and last two issues of Wake, Scott Snyder. Yeah, I was going to say. Because Wake. Wait, for, I was waiting for, the, for it to stick the landing and it didn't. It, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel you. So All-Star Batman is kind of midnight run with Batman and Two-Face. All right. Batman's transporting Two-Face to a prison out of state. Two-Face makes an announcement that if no one rescues him, he's going to reveal everyone's secrets that he has. Yada, yada. Classic villain plot. Yeah. So now everyone's kind of, kind of coming out of the woodwork trying to get at Batman Two-Face. <sighs> so Batman in the last issue gets in a really bad fight and gets jacked up. Okay. Essentially how I'm going to sum it up. And this issue... Uh, are you familiar with DC character KG Beast? Didn't Batman kill him once? Uh, he, yeah, killed him in Batman v Superman. Like, the character, not in costume, but the the civilian... No, identity. I mean, like, in the comic, he, he, like, he, like, left him to die in a locked room or something? But, I don't know. Yeah, that happened. Anyway, KG Beast shows 80s. up, jacks up Batman even more, jacks up Two-Face, throws a couple ninja stars into his face. Oh! Into the bad face. I was gonna say, okay. So, Batman, here's where the story just kind of, if you can, listeners, for those of you he, he's, who He's gesturing see, downward with his hand. Yes. So, Batman takes Two-Face to his Batcave that he apparently has in, you know, Midwest America. Well, he's Batman, of course. Yeah. Well, he's got an intricate <laughs> system of tunnels. That take Across the country. And he takes him <laughs> to, like, a, a bunker where... A character who has been dead for some time just happens to be there. Who? Do you remember the character Harold? No. Okay, so Harold was introduced <laughs> in during the Norm Brayfogle run of Batman back in like the late 90s. No, not late 90s. Say early 90s. Okay. Um, Norm Brayfogle, I believe, created Scarface. Not 100% sure on that. Like, like, like El Pacino? Scar- no, no. Like, you know... <laughs> The ventriloquist with the bone. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, And so in the story called The Penguin Affair, this character, Harold, was introduced. He's like this disfigured humpback that's a mechanical genius. He was having an affair with the penguin? Well, it's just called The Penguin Affair. There was (laughs) no sexual undertones. Oh. Did not happen. Um, But the penguin was using Harold for his nefarious plot, so on and so forth. And after it's all resolved, Batman is like, well, I can't. If I put you in the system, you're just going to get abused and so on and so forth. Would you like to come and help me and make equipment for me? You know, they did all that. Oh. And Harold was kind of in and out throughout the run of Batman. Then we come to, I believe it was 2008, when when Jim Lee took over the book and the Hush story started. Yes. 
And very famous. The uh, great story once again didn't stick the landing though. Should have just been Jason Todd from the beginning. It anyway. really should have been. Yeah. Uh, but it was Harold who was selling Hush all the information. And uh, long story short, unfortunately, we're too late for that. Harold ended up getting killed at the end. Okay. Now, to my knowledge, he has not been resurrected in any way, shape, or form but, but, up but, until now. But it's rebirth. I know. But but is it though? It's All Star. Is All Star part of rebirth? I don't think is, so. All Star is not know. in continuity, right? It's outside. I'm not sure. It can't be. I don't know. Does it matter? Eh. Do we so, care? And apparently, Harold now <laughs> is also a medical genius because he's working on, sure. on Two Face. Why not? So there's that. And then Batman has kind of a new sidekick, but he's not like training him to be Robin. He's like, I'm going to try something different with this one. So <laughs> he doesn't, like, he's got an outfit, but he doesn't necessarily have like a code name so much. What does he call him? I, I can't, I can't, oh, Jesus. Hold on a second. I gotta grab in the the book. His outfit isn't horrible. He's not. He's not like a a Robin. He's Batman's sidekick, right? Yeah, he's Robin. No, but he's not Robin. He's oh yeah. His name's Duke. Okay. Does he yeah. have a a costume adventurer name? Not yet. No, he doesn't have a code name yet. Oh well, you might want to have that before you go running out in a costume. So, I gotta call Duke, you something. Duke asks Bruce. Does well, he know he's Bruce? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Duke asks Bruce why it's so important to save Harvey. And here Harvey? Was, oh, bit two-face. Yeah. yeah, okay. Sorry. Harold. Here's... Harvey. Yeah, there's his costume, the corner panel. He's got bats on it, but well, he's not... Whatever. I don't know. Go on. Yeah. And here's where we get Snydered. Because... <laughs> Do we get a soliloquy about the origins of yep. Batman's coat? Or, nope, not the coat, just like the origins of... That was of, really important in, in the, the, the Snyder Batman run, that we got a whole issue about Jim Gordon's yeah, freaking coat. Yeah, we don't get a soliloquy about Batman's coat. We get a soliloquy about the origin of Bruce and Harvey's friendship. Okay, that's fair. But it's not fair. You're shaking your head. Why? Why is that not no, no. no good? So Bruce starts telling the tale about when he was a kid, shortly after his parents died, he yeah. was obsessed with killing... The guy who killed his parents. Okay. Like, he hadn't, you know, yeah, yeah. made the oath to justice and whatnot. And one day, Alfred finds him playing with a gun. Okay. Like, learning how to use the gun, practicing with the gun. Okay. Alfred, worried over Bruce's mental state, takes him to what is essentially Arkham's home for wayward boys. What the hell? Okay. Gets better. Go on. In which he meets Harvey Dent. Of course he does. Oh, see, everything has to fit together. Scott Snyder said so. It's all together. They've got these shirts on. One has two A and one has two B. You know what? Subtle. Okay. Do I really need to go on anything? No. You've you've, you've talked me out of it already. Yeah. Dude. That was disappointing. See... I'm giving it one more issue. I feel you. Can I make a plea to, 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 to universe creators out there? Star Wars, comics, everything doesn't have to fit together. Nope. It's a big world out there. Yep. Coincidences happen. Yep. And, 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 and honestly, there's more fertile ground for stories if everything doesn't fit together. Mm-hmm. Because then you don't have to be booked into a corner about 
well, wait a minute. You said these guys were related and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The only people I, like, uh, sorry. It, this, yeah. I it, know. It, it, no, I get it. I get it. it no, so, it bothers me because they did that in year, one, year zero. I'm sorry, year zero. Everything had an origin. Everything fit together. Yeah. yeah. Even Court of Owls is, like, pushing it for me, but it was well done, so I don't mind. You know? Yeah. Sorry, let's pivot to pivot. Let's pivot to uh, our 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 favorite hero, the the hero that the show is named after. After forty five minutes, let's talk about Daredevil, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Murdoch. Uh, latest uh, issue of Daredevil out. Yes, uh, done yes by it is. done by Mister Charles Soule, Mister Ron Garney. Now we're we're mid we're kind of mid arc right now, right? Yeah. This is part three of a story. Yeah, this is issue number twelve. And it's like blood art part three or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, he's dealing with what he believes is an inhuman that can <sighs> manipulate in a way artwork. I mean, it's it's interesting. Let's let's be honest. Creating comic book villains, good villains is not easy. to No, do. no, no. I'm not groaning at that. I'm groaning at the here's why I'm groaning. Marvel. I only, I only have one groan about this issue. I think we might have the same groan, but go ahead. It's it's just look. I know you want it to happen. <laughs> yep, we got the same groan. I know you want it to happen, and I know you're going to try to make it happen. You're, you're but, giving them a push, but, but you're giving them such a hard push. Look, man, Marvel, you got to take no Marvel WWE. It's the same thing. You're trying to make something happen, and people just ain't buying it. Roman Reigns in WWE, he ain't getting over. Stop pushing him. Stop making us. Stop trying to make us like him. We don't. Marvel, no one cares about the Inhumans. Yeah. Stop trying to make them a thing. We don't care. Just make the X Men again. Yeah. I, I can. I can see. I can. Like, I can see their logic. I can see it like, well, okay, it. we can't, we're trying to kind of bring the cinematic universe and the comic universe kind of closer together to make, right, but make only, a transition from one to the other easier. They're only doing that because they can't control the X-Men. That's all yeah. it is. That's all it is. Yeah. So they're pushing the Inhumans who are just not as interesting as they're the X-Men. Not. They're not. They're not interesting at, at all. I'm sorry. And in order to push the Inhumans, a race of which there was a sincerely limited number of previously, they have this big event that multiplies yeah, the, the cloud or whatever, right? Yeah. Everyone breathes it in. Cloud. So now they're all over the world. They're, yeah. they're popping up. Kind of, kind of like mutants being e- born. Even on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're dialing it back. Well, because I think the movie got pushed back as well. Well, yeah, the movie got, it didn't get pushed back. It just got dropped. Like, it's still air finger quotes on the slate. Yeah. But there's no data signed to it. Yeah. Well, because maybe Kevin Feige realized like, wait, mm, wait, same, wait, same nobody anymore. cares. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, in a supporting role, and I, yeah. and I, and I, and when I say supporting role, I mean like they show up once every six to eight months maybe in the Fantastic Four, that yeah. kind of supporting role. I would even go so far as say you can give them their own book. Okay. You can give them a monthly book. There, I think there's enough fans out there for the Inhumans sure. to support a monthly book. But the way they're just trying to force them into every aspect of the Marvel Universe to make it a thing now, like you said. Yeah. It's just, it's not working. And even though um, I think this is a solid issue of Daredevil... Uh, you I know, can't escape the inhuman thing. It's just too heavy for me. Yeah. You know what's funny is because I was reading... Remember those like two old issues of Daredevil I picked up? The Acts of Vengeance? Where yeah. Where he has to fight Ultron? Yes. The Inhumans are in that, too. 
Really? So I guess Daredevil has some history with the Inhumans. He's got history with everybody. He's yeah, and in this issue, like, he comes to, you know, greet Medusa, and she knows who he is, and, but, yeah, I don't know. I like this, this, I like this current run of Daredevil. Okay. I lo- you know, Charles Soule has always been a solid writer. Yeah. Uh, Ron Gar- I really enjoy Ron Garney's art. Um, it's a, it's good, like, kind of pulp style to it. Yeah. That I think fits Daredevil where, well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it seems like this kind of sidetracked the story they were trying to tell. Like, I think if you just stick to this villain that's tr- that's killing people using... If you said, yeah. okay, no, yes. here's I an totally, inhuman. I totally agree. Here's an inhuman. He happens to be inhuman. These are his powers. If you just make that the tie-in, but then like you have this whole thing of Daredevil going to... How does it pronounce it? Atalan or whatever. Atalan. Yeah. Like the, the I don't, I don't floating know. kingdom outside New York City. Now it's in New York City because it used to be on yeah. the moon, and now it... Yeah. I yeah, know. It's, yeah. So I... it's Like I'm saying, it's not a bad issue. It's but no, I feel you. I think it's, if they dialed down. it back a little bit, it yeah. would have been a lot better. I think it, in this situation, less would have been more. Yes, I love the fight between Daredevil and um, what's his name, the one Inhuman who can like instantly solve any problem, and then figures out that Matt is blind. Karnak, yeah, yeah, but then Matt still beats him. Yep, because you know Matt kicks all that ass. Yeah, of course. So that was great. I mean, the action in the in the issue is good. I just dial it back a little bit. Um, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't need this inhuman stuff. It's just, it just feels like a diversion. It feels like editorial is just like, eh, this issue is good, but uh, no. Nope. Needs yeah, about 30% this, more on humans. Yeah, this probably wasn't in... Soule's or Garney's. We don't know. We don't know that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's 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 the Poochie situation. <laughs> when he's not on screen, everyone should be asking, "Where's Poochie?" <laughs> so, oh, quick aside before we wrap this up, um, the current director of Shield on the television show. I don't know who it is. He's in Human, but he's a former Captain America. The oh. character is former Captain America. Okay. I did. Oh God, what's the character's name? I don't I know. Was, I wanted to ask you about this. I was curious because Cap is your second favorite Marvel. character. The only other one I know of uh, was the Cap in the fifties. He didn't have any powers. He was kind of just more symbolic. And then he eventually went nuts, and I think he's dead now. But I did not know that he was an Inhuman. So that might be a change that they made for the show. Give me a second. I'm getting there. Okay. So. Uh, Go on. Dear IMDb. IMDb. This is what Googling sounds like, kids. Uh, Jeffrey Mace. Yeah, I don't know who that is. All right. Yeah, so, that's that's the characters. If it were Steve Walker, I'd be like, oh, yeah, U.S. agent. But guess it's not U.S. agent. Never nope. liked that costume. For U.S. agent, it's fine. <laughs> but ironically, it wasn't his costume first. It was Cap's first when Cap pronounced the Captain America moniker. And he went on his own and he... That, but then they swapped. That's you, fine. Yeah. It still doesn't make it a good costume. I, I, I like it. But for, as an alternate, it's yeah. it's fun. You can select it in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Okay. But you can also, I wouldn't, but you can. You can also select the uh, probably my favorite Cap redesign costume, the Super Soldier costume. The Super Soldier costume. Where it's just like the, the star with the wings. It kind of looks like the Air Force emblem Cute. on the shirt. And he's just wearing like standard military pants. I don't know if I saw no, that one. No, no, Kyle. It was when they, the Heroes Age 
when rogers took over shield oh that one yeah yeah like yeah, bucky was, was right. being cap yeah so that Steve was okay was just like super soldier i just like it. i think it's really clean really nice costume they took some influence from it when uh in winter soldier the movie like yeah the, oh the, yeah the gloves yeah yeah and, and the boots mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah 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 it's pretty it's pretty much that just without the the mask the yeah cowl. yeah so i just i always thought that was a really sweet redesign but and back yeah, to daredevil no. yes um, so yeah are we up are we back on daredevil no, no, we're, no, we're done. Wrapped up we're that done. review. Um, you guys are probably asking, okay, when are you going to get to Daredevil Season 2? <sighs> we, we'll get there. We, we will get there. But we've got a long runway to go, folks. you got to understand, Daredevil Season 3 is not coming until 2018. So we're kind of... And we got a whole lot of good stuff in the middle. We got us some Luke Cage. We got some Iron Fist. We got some Defenders. So we will eventually get back to Daredevil when we get to Defenders. We will do season two of Daredevil before we get to Defenders. Okay. But the way it's looking right now is we're going to start this week. We're going to get Uncaged. Ooh. We're going to start an episode by episode breakdown of Luke Cage. And then that will pretty much bring us to Iron Fist when Iron Fist is released. So we will go into Iron Fist. We'll take it. We'll take a couple episodes. We'll get Iron Fisted. Yep. Oh, sir. Hey. (laughs) Um, We'll take a couple episode break, do some fun one-offs like we did when we ended Daredevil Season 1. Then we'll go into Iron Fist. And then that, depending on where that brings us, by then I'm sure we'll find out when Defenders is coming out. If we have enough runway to fit Daredevil Season 2 in before we get to Defenders, we will definitely... We're probably going to have to do that just as a lead-up to Defenders. All right. Whatever you want to do. So, all right. So, If you don't like any of this, dear listeners, you know who to email. That being said, it is time to rustle the papers. As we be- we're getting uncaged, man. We are getting uncaged. Drew, let's Topical. break down. Topical. People one. like Luke Cage, and he's new, and it's exciting. And yes. the show has gotten good reviews, and I'm enjoying it as well. I'm not done with it, so please okay. bite your tongue on right. certain where, spoilers. Me, where are you? Well, uh, without spoiling the listeners either, I am like I think six or seven episodes in. What's the last thing that happened? Um. Well, I'm gonna gesture, and. I don't want to, but again, I'm trying not to spoil things for anybody. Cottonmouth. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. There you go. Good. We know where we're at. Okay. Okay. So, episode one, Luke Cage. Yes. You know what Netflix does really well with these shows? Jessica Jones and Daredevil and Luke Cage. What's that? We've discussed this before, but it bears repeating again. The intro. Yes. Um, The intros are always just visually stunning, solid, kind of a lost art. And we get, I mean, Luke Cage does not disappoint. The intro, the whole series is a love letter to Harlem. Well, my notes, uh, I like how they, they use the yellow, because Luke Cage, yellow. Yeah, yeah. Daredevil has a very red tone to it. Jessica Jones had a very purple tone to it. And Luke Cage has a yellow tone to it. They, yeah. they have a color palette that they use very well that and you notice, but it's not distracting. As And as I have noted here, that song, though. Oh, God, the music. The I'm, music in and of itself is a character in the show oh totally absolutely and it is this is probably the best music in a marvel piece since guardians of the galaxy uh it's in the way that it's used yeah um i I mean i can't even think of another example of the way like non-score like actual i want to say pop music but you know what i mean like yeah 
uh, music by actual artists is used in Marvel in Marvel flicks. Outside of Guardians, they really don't do that. Yeah, but so, here they do. Yeah, oh, they definitely do. Which again just reinforces my disappointment over the soundtrack. Well, I want I want I want all the good stuff. I want they, the good stuff see, and the good stuff. They probably would have had to pay for the good stuff, and therefore they weren't going to do that. I'm sure they had to pay for it to use it in the show. But that's different than releasing it on its own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then everybody makes money. Yeah, but Marvel would have would have have to have paid up front to get the light the rights to distribute it. Gotcha. And yeah. All right. I mean, you know, for the same reason why you being in the music business yourself yeah, know see, more about this than I do. Similarly, like on the WWE Network, for instance, any uh, any instance of real music being used in the past, yeah, they scrub it and they they put in generic music over it right, because gotcha. they probably don't have the license anymore. So when I I'm watching you. old ECW. Unfortunately, all the bad, all the, the amazingly awesome '90s metal and alter, alternative songs that the, all, the, all the guys used can't use them, so they insert the worst generic crap stuff you've ever heard. Sandman, for God's sake, comes out to enter Sandman. It's part of his gimmick. He, he comes out to enter Sandman. He comes in through the crowd. The crowd sings the damn song. It's epic as hell. Even though he's a garbage wrestler, his his entrance alone makes you pay money to go see him. You can't even... Nope. Completely scrubbed in the network. Really? You like an entrance that uses Metallica? I know. Shocking, right? Shocking. Shocking. Okay. So we met Luke Cage in the Jessica Jones series. I think they used him very well in that series. They did. That series we will probably not get to you until after Defenders. Okay. I'll I'll trust you on the timing. We'll see how what kind of timelines we got. Um, so I we feel meet- bad leaving Jess on an island over there, but that's okay. We'll get back to her. <laughs> So we we meet Luke again in Pops. Pops, Pops Barbershop. Barbershop. He's he's sweeping up hair and he's he's very content where he is. He's laying low. Part. He's laying low. And we find out that Pops has a very strict no profanity policy. Yes. And if you swear, you gotta put money in the swear jar. Exactly. And Luke Cage remarks, I don't curse. Yep. And that's I like that. I like that about the character. It's a man of principle. Yeah. And later on this episode, uh, we're going to get to a point where that line is kind of fuzzy again that you talked about last week as far as what is allowed, what is not allowed. Yeah, yeah. We're going to we're gonna hit a point in, that episode, in this episode where we're like, um... So, yeah. Uh, but we get the classic... Barbershop banter, man. Yeah, barbershop banter. They're going to be... T- folks, I'm not going to lie to you. When we're breaking down this, there are going to be times where we're going to have to like pause and make sure we're not saying something offensive. It is, it is not our intention to be offensive. I think if any of you who heard last week's episode, which I'm very proud of, you know it's not our intention to be offensive. So, But there are going to be times where we're just, we may have to pause a moment to think about how to say something in a way it's not offensive. Sure. That's just my disclaimer. Hashtag, Hashtag, hashtag I'm white. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll fly. I'm pilot. <laughs> Can that be a hashtag? <laughs> hashtag Can I'll it? fly. I'm pilot. I I want that to be a thing. <laughs> I really do. All right. Okay, so we also see that Pop has a specific list of people who never have to pay for a haircut. Yeah. I didn't get all the names that were on the list. I should have paused it, but I know it's Al Pacino. Al Pacino's on it. Pat Riley. Pat Riley's on it. Uh, I that's all I that's all I got. Sinatra? I think Sinatra is on it. Sinatra might have been on. Yeah. So, I really like the atmosphere of this shop. And I know there are shops like this all over the country. Sure. I love this atmosphere. This family atmosphere. It is very familial. Yeah. 
family, not family. You got the chessboard going. Sure. Which, you know, we later on in the show, we have a familiar face at that chessboard. Ah. Yeah, no, it's a place, obviously, that has a great... The people that are in there know each other. It, there's a great camaraderie in this place. It's clearly a place where people go where they feel safe. Yeah. And the current discussion is focused around the current state of the NBA. As far as, like, you know, superstars joining up on super teams. Which Luke Cage remarks that it's garbage. Yeah. Except LeBron. So He's the Le- truth. LeBron is... Luke Cage stealing my line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, a little bit. But you know what? I'm going to be like Shameik. I might step up to him, but I'm going to step down real stay, oh, quick. Yeah, yeah. Real he, quick. Yeah. Sh- uh, Sh- Shameik uh, got, got, got put down uh, without much of a fuss. Um, I have noted here that um, it's fun. It's great. You know, we meet kind of meet Pop and, and all these all these supporting characters. And then uh, um, Lonnie's mama come in. Yep. Um, sup, Lonnie's mama? So she wants a piece of that cage. She wants to get in the cage. <laughs> she, Whoa. She wants a cage match. Yes, I like that. Gonna... She wants a cage match. I like it. I like it a lot. And we are introduced to a phrase that I believe will replace, do you want a Netflix and chill? Oh, coffee? In fact, I think I've seen that on the internets already. Uh, yeah. Do you want to get some coffee? Uh-huh. But see, even that, though, it's Luke Cage. But if the writers are real smart, and I think they are, it's also Seinfeld, which I love. That's, that's going to cause some problems out in the real world. Because you know what? It is. Some guys are just going to want a cup of coffee. That's all I want, but now it's got a whole new context. But it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's now like it's the- going to be like if you want to ask a girl to do a cup of coffee. Because that, you know what? That was, that was Julian Mine's first date. We met up for a cup of coffee. I can never. Now, now it's going to be like, would you like to meet at a public location to consume hot caffeinated beverages in which at no point would sexual intercourse be implied? Sure. That's how you're going to have to ask for coffee now. It's, it's, it's like George when he, when she, Dang it, Luke. Do you want to come up for some coffee? And George says, no, I don't drink coffee. It keeps me up. And then he gets really embarrassed, and he calls, so he calls the answering machine, and he's like, I didn't understand that coffee didn't really mean <laughs> coffee. And he makes a total ass of himself, and then they have a whole scheme to get back into her apartment to steal the tape on her answering machine before she can realize that he left a message. It's, it's a great episode, by the way. But so, George's or, self-loathing is just fantastic. <laughs> I, I never watched Seinfeld. Oh, Oh, man. Nobody, listen, I've said before I say it again. I'm not perfect. I'm just good looking. I'm not disputing that. All right. So, yeah, uh, Luke Luke doesn't drink coffee. Luke's not interested. Luke knows what she wants. Yeah. He's not interested. And no, and, and Shamik, he, was it Shamik? Shamik. Yeah. He can't believe that. He Lon- doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And as the gentleman playing chess remarks, you'll learn, young young man. Either got it or you don't. Or you don't. <laughs> The wisdom. The wisdom is on point. Ah. Uh, and then we get the little scene in the... Be- well, Luke is always thinking of Reva. Yeah, his, Reva his, always. His, his girl. Um, he's, and he's lifting stuff. Yeah. Lifts up the washing machine. And Pop loves it. Of course. Pop, and Pop's giving him all the encouragement to, like, do something. Be a hero. Go go use yeah, your gifts. We have, we have our first of many Easter eggs in this film. Pop calling him Power Man. Power Man. For those of you who don't know... That was his OG name. Yeah. That, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm slacking. You're slacking. What are you doing? Slacking. We're introducing a new comic character. Okay. Which means we need to get some uh, comic background. Do, are we going to give a little brief background on Luke Cage? Yeah. <laughs> the titular character? Luke Cage, also known as Power Man, 
is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. Luke Cage first appeared in Luke Cage Hero for Hire. Keep in mind of that title, folks. That's going to come into play later in this episode. Luke Cage Hero for Hire number one, June of 1972. and was created by Archie Goodwin, John Romita Sr., and George Tuska. And as we said last week with uh, our show with Alan... Um, in the 70s, Marvel was basically whatever was hot in the moment, Marvel was on top of it. So, yeah. like, monster comics, sure. Kung Fu comics, Bruce yep. Lee, Bruce Lee was, was the man, sure. We'll do Kung Fu comics. Yeah, Black exploitation, okay. Here's Luke Cage. Yep. More or less. It was, yeah, they, no, they were. They, I think that they were capitalizing on trends, but also you could tell that they saw it more as an opportunity to tell more diverse stories and yeah, not. Yeah, totally just to capitalize it for you know cash purposes sure marvel's so, always been about the world outside your window yeah well used to. uh nowadays not nowadays so much, much it feels like anyway but maybe i'm wrong i don't know anyway um actually you know what quick quick aside yes on our on our show last week we were discussing comics history social justice issues things like that we mm-hmm. said that marvel's not doing it Get some get some response on that. No, not so much from the viewers. But I read Champions issue number one. Okay, and they address police brutality in that issue. Okay, so first off, awesome issue. I'd recommend you pick it up. All right. Um, second off, kudos to Marvel for kind of stepping up to the plate a little bit. Okay. So yeah, Pops uh, makes Power Man reference. He's pushing Luke to do something with his powers. Refers to them as gifts. Says you're wasting your gifts. But mind you, Luke is laying low for reasons. Yes. Valid reasons. Valid reasons, which we will get into in later episodes. Yep. But we come to the mantra of the show. Yes, I have it in quotes as well. Forward always. Never backwards. Never backwards. Forward always. Always forward. Which is a great... That's a great saying. Sure. I I can get on board with that. Yeah. So after that, uh, you know, it's nighttime now. Luke is taking out trash. Bumps into Chico. His boy Chico. Who is one, one of the gentlemen the, from one the, of the barbers? Yes, correct. Yeah, he, Chico was cutting Shamik's hair in the shop. Okay. Chico drops a gun. Yep. Chico up to no good. No. Luke recognizes it, and Chico's like, You ain't my dad. Yep. I haven't had one for a while, so don't try and be him. Then just goes away. Yep. Now Luke has to go to his other job. Yes. But on his way there, he passes a street, a street vendor. And this gentleman has DVDs and Blu-rays for sale, as you might expect in New York City. I've, I've, seen, yep. the, I've seen this oh, phenomenon. Yeah. But he's not selling you, you know, uh, the latest uh, th- fan-filmed uh, theater taping of, of a movie. Yep. He's selling the incident. Yes. Best angles on Blu-ray. HD quality. 1080p. Yeah. Um, so this, right when I was thinking, you know, these shows are great, but the lines are blurry. Luke Cage kind of reaffirms, like, no, 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 it's all yeah. here. This this series more than Daredevil or Jessica Jones, I would say, so ties um, into the cinematic universe. If if for nothing else other than the specifics of this guy's references, yeah, like he says, uh, Tony Stark, the blonde dude with the hammer, the the Jolly Green Giant, whatever he calls Hulk, I forgot, but yeah, but the I mean, green guy, yeah, but no, like very specifically see, mentions, yeah. the, the Avengers. As we see later in this episode and in later episodes, there's a whole lot of tie-in to the cinematic universe proper. Uh, even in this episode, there's another one yeah. coming up. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> can I just say, I love the name Genghis Khanis. 
Oh, it's, a, it's, it's so play, great. It's play on words. It's play on words. It's fantastic. <laughs> Luke runs into his landlord, Connie, who needs dap rent. Yep, rent is late, man. Yep. Um, he's got to get his. He, Luke's got to get paid in cash. He, yep. He's not. He's not on the books. Nope. So he's got to go to his other job to get paid to pay his rent. Yep. Connie's a little lenient, but gives him deadline tonight. Yes. King is Connie's. So it's Luke so, is a dishwasher. Yes. At, we come to and we meet Harlem's Paradise. Which, again, as we stated with music, music in the show, Harlem's Paradise is a character in this show. A little bit, yeah. It's such a great setting. Sure. Like, uh, you look inside this club like, I would want to go in this club. This looks like a lot of fun. They might not let us in that club, but mm-hmm. I'd like to go to the club. Well, we can, we, can, we can make an attempt. And we meet also the master of Harlem's Paradise. Yeah. Mr. Cornell Cottonmouth. And he hates that name. Yes, he does. And as we're meeting a new character in the comics. Okay. Cottonmouth uh, appeared in Marvel Comics created by Len Wein and artist George Tuska. And the character first appeared in Power Man 18, June 1974. There you go. Now, but we also meet Black so, Mariah. Yes. Now here, in, now the comic book Black Mariah, very different. than Both Cottonmouth and Black Mariah drastically changed from the comic yeah. books. Uh, Codmouth is an elderly gentleman in the comic books. Black Mariah. She's a, a huge lot of woman in yeah. the comic books. <laughs> yeah. Whole lot of woman. Yeah. She is a whole lot of woman who looks like she ate a whole lot of woman. Yes. In the comics. Yeah. She's like gargantuanly huge. Uh, very thuggish. Uh, not the character we see here. No. So we meet Black Mariah, who is definitely one of the highlights of the series, portrayed amazingly by Alfre Woodard, who's got a little bit of geek cred in and of herself. She also appeared in Star Trek First Contact. That's right. Um, but the Picard, char- was, Picard was getting sweet on that. Get, Picard was, she had to remind Picard, you know, he's being a little Captain Ahab. A little bit, Bork. but she never read it. Bit. Yeah, she never read it. But she grew up in a war-torn time. So she did. I understand. We forget. Uh, as far as Black Mariah in the comics, like we said, very large person uh she was created by billy graham uh george tusca and steve Englehart. she first appeared in luke cage hero for hire number five january 1973 so did he have two different series then because like we have luke cage's first appearance black Mariah's first appearance in luke cage hero for hire and then we have cottonmouth's first appearances in power man number 18 he might have. They might have retitled it. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. Enti- I'm actually not entirely sure. All right. So, where we? Okay. Uh, but yeah, Luke has a second job. He is a dishwasher in Harlem's Paradise. Now we quickly get to establish that uh, Cottonmouth and Black Mariah are related. They're cousins. They're cousins, and we quickly establish that Mariah is a. Pol- uh, councilwoman, politician. She is a city councilwoman. And she is kind of getting fed by Codmouth's activities. Well, it's symbiotic, fed. actually. Yeah. They're kind of scratching each other's back. Almost. Yes, because she has given him, as we find out later, federal money for the club. Yes. And she wants that money back. Yep. So these are all the dynamics that are going on in the show. And his like dealings are funding her restoration of... Uh, right. The Attics, Christmas Attics. Christmas Attics uh, Building Center, or whatever it is. Um, it's a central point in the show, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it, at this at this point when we meet Mariah, she is kind of 
one foot in, one foot out as far yeah. as criminal life goes. And she's trying to, she even tells Cottonmouth, like, you got to stop at all this and just politics is where the real power yeah. is. And he kind of remarks like, what I do pays you. So yeah. who are you to tell me that? Exactly. Yeah. So Luke is working dishes and then the manager comes back, tells him that, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Dante. Dante Don- called in sick. Yep. Which we see a little bit later isn't yep. true. Yep. And they need someone to work the bar. Luke's got it. Luke gets a little upgrade, a little promotion for a night. Yeah. Now, when they cut back, I have I have a point. So we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna tread real light here. But when, we, when we're when we're talking to Cottonmouth and and yep. and Mariah, at this point in the show, this is when the language begins to show itself. And yeah. I and I know pretty much right then what kind of show it's going to be. We get n bombs getting getting tossed around very casually on this show. I was not prepared for that. I, I'm 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 glad they didn't shy away from it. To be honest with too, you, because because yeah. if I mean that's it a looked, hard thing to dodge in a show that yeah. is being celebrated for its you know blackness. Yes. So, but I was just taken aback, like whoa, because this is Marvel. You know, I, you know, yeah, yeah. this it's is still, still Marvel, still Marvel. So I was kind of like, okay, they're they're kind of letting letting it go. This is how it's going to go. Cool. I I don't like having my hand held. So yeah. the fact that they're being real about it, mm-hmm. I like. However, I will note, and this is just going to become a, a kind of a trend um, in, in my, my thoughts on the show. That's okay, but not a single F-bomb is dropped in this series. Yeah. Now, Marvel's I'm not advocating kinda... profanity for the sake of it, but I'm saying in the world they're presenting, man, like it's a very odd line to draw especially given other things that happen in this series. Yeah. The violence, the the gore, and, oh, my, the ladies. And, and, <laughs> it's a lady. Yeah. Got my fine cavathe here. Um, you know, dare I say, this is the sexiest show Marvel yeah, has I put mean, out there yet. Were, <laughs> there were sex scenes in Jessica Jones. Yeah. But everything was kind of happening underneath the sheets. Yeah, well, no, not so much here. Whereas with this one... it's it, oh, I should point out, though, that you don't see anything... Uh, it's well, well scouted. Yeah, in this show, the but shadows are in the right place. But it's still skin heavy. Yeah. It's by no means a hardcore scene. It's just definitely much more intense that Marvel has done up to this right. point. Right. So, given all that, I guess I'm just saying I'm a little the the absence of the f word becomes like kind of the the white elephant in the room. Like, hey, man, like, yeah. No, I, I I understand what you're saying. It's just a weird line to draw. It's all I'm I, saying. I think we're just kind of at a point just going to have to come to expect that line. Yeah, I feel Regardless it. Regardless of where it falls, we know there's going to be a line somewhere. And I think they pushed the line a little bit in this series that, as compared to what they've done in Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Yeah, I, like I said, the line I was... still clearly defined. I guess it is. Yeah. Don't, I, don't fear the F-bomb, Marvel. It's okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so Luke Cage is tending bar, and we meet another character that we have a little bit of comic background on. Misty Knight. Misty Knight. And I knew it was her because of her hair. Yeah, defined hair. They carried that over from the comics. I knew it was Misty. Uh, Misty Knight was first Although, mentioned go, go on. in Marvel premiere number 20, January 1975. She was created by writer Tony Isabella and artist Avril Jones. A later retcon, you want to give a quick explanation as to what retconning is? A retcon, folks, is short for retroactive continuity. What that means is um, 
when they retcon something, that means something that was previously established, they ignore entirely and replace it. Dynamite dropping. Sometimes with uh, an explanation, sometimes with none at all. Yeah. Uh, later retcon in Marvel Team-Up number 64. She was re- kind of reinvented at retcon by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Two legends. Legends. In the comic industry. She revealed she previously appeared as an unnamed character in Marvel Team-Up number one in 1972. Written by Roy Thomas and penciled by Ross Andrew. Uh, comics in which Christy Knight and Colleen Wig have appeared and often. All right. All right. Boom. I think Misty Knight. Yeah. That takes care of all our... In this episode, yes. Yeah, all our uh, comic appearances. So... Now, okay. So, again, keeping up with everything here, Misty meets Luke. Luke meets Misty at the bar. Yep. She's kind of scouting things out. We don't know what she's up to, but she's eyeing up Cottonmouth up in his little suite there. Up in his, you know, VIP room. And uh, while we cut up back up to there, we find out that, um, number one, Mariah's family has a legacy. Not necessarily a good one. Yes. We don't get much information, but it's established that the family name is not very good in the neighborhood. She's a councilwoman, so obviously it's good enough to get her elected, so yeah. I don't know how much the public knows about it. I don't about. think it's so much that the name isn't good, it's just that it's known, no. and it's known for, you know... Possibly nefarious things. Exactly. Okay. Now, we also get some de- dealings, some uh, information on Cottonmouth's dealings. He is selling guns to Domingo. Yes. Um, who's a character, and by the way, he's a character actor that I've seen in a million things, I recognize yeah, yeah. him, I don't know his name, but... You'll know him yeah. when you see him, trust me. And this is normally not the type of character that he plays either. No? He's kind of more the quiet sidekicky type. Okay. He's he hasn't really played like this like boss character before. He gets a little more front street this time. But Drew, yeah. tell me what's interesting about the guns They're that made are made by t- Hammer Industries, who you might remember from the Black Sheep of the Iron Man franchise, Iron Man Two. Which I still to this day disagree. I, I agree Man with you. I don't I don't get it. Iron but Man Two is solid. I yeah, I don't know yeah. people I think people were just you know, they wanted uh never mind. Yeah. yeah. Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell. Hammer Industries. Another great connection to the cinematic universe. Yep, yep, yep. Bringing them back. Bringing it all together. So, um, the gun deal, as we find out, as they're talking about what they're doing, Yep. uh, it goes bad. Yeah, goes south. A couple guys show up, try to hijack the not only the guns but, but the, the payment money. as well yeah we get a great shootout scene that's set to like really good music good slow motion stuff music that you wouldn't necessarily uh fit to a shootout scene but it's like they're intercutting you know, with the club with the club with the music being played at harlem paradise really like this scene um and we find out that it's shameek and chico and dante and dante yeah now we cut back, of course, to uh, Misty and Luke. Yes. Now, she's eyeing up Cottonmouth, and Luke remarks, ah, you're a little old for Cottonmouth. <laughs> Dude! Luke, the whole dialogue between Misty and Luke in this scene, in this episode, yeah. is just Luke throwing shade at Misty. Yes. And but she's then, like, like, reeling it back. Well, Throwing she, shade, reeling it back. She kind of remarks to him like, well, you know, spring chicken yourself there, boss. Yeah. Um, yeah, why they got to harp on Misty's age, man? But, that, but then he's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Little boys like girls. Yeah, yeah. I ponder myself a woman. Uh-huh. Love that line. I ponder myself. You should use that line. 
on my wife? Sure. So that's, <laughs> that's the only person I can I, use ideally, that line. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I'll be not, don't, don't hold me responsible. Yeah. We also learned that uh, Cornell hates the name Cottonmouth. He does. Which I don't understand why. It's a pretty, pretty badass name. Even um, though I hate snakes. Well, that and the, the, there's also, there's another connotation to it, which maybe is more. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. So, I get you. Yeah. For the uninitiated. If you're, <laughs> folks, if you're uninitiated to that reference, stop listening to the show, go up, pick up a history book and start reading. Or contact the drug dealer and you'll <laughs> find out. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So the, the deal goes bad. And uh, Luke is requested to go upstairs to Cottonmouth and deliver a whole bunch of... Well, one of the Six waitresses says she doesn't want to go up alone. Yes. She doesn't want to go up alone. She gets skeeved out, so Luke goes up to help. And Cottonmouth notices Luke's rather large stature. Yeah, and the fact that he's carrying a giant metal ice bucket full of ice and six bottles of, of alcohol yeah. with little to no effort whatsoever. Cottonmouth knows the stature... Mariah notices everything else. Yeah, well. And she's like, she's kind of like, hey. Have you seen Luke? I mean. I, you know what? I <laughs> I cannot fault her. This is a, this is a fine looking man, that Mr. Luke Cage. Wait till that, wait till that suit episode happens. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Cottonmouth offers him a job, more or less. Yep. Like, hey, Muscle, you, got, you, know, you ever hold a gun? You want to work for me? And, and Luke says, no. Nah. I'm good. Nope. I want none yeah. of that. Good, good on Luke. Yeah. So the night at the club ends, and uh, Misty's you know, but call an Uber home, and Lucas, yeah. hey, what's up, what's up, girl? Want to get some coffee? Yeah, coffee again. Coffee happens. Except this time, co- coffee doesn't mean coffee, George. Yeah. yeah. Coffee means sexy coffee. time. <laughs> so yeah, we have that whole scene. We just discussed it. So the, uh, sexy time. Yep. Like lingering sexy time. <laughs> yeah, and then we get yeah, a little more extended. Uh then we get the uh not even the morning after, night of Misty gets called and she has to leave. Now she has not told Mr. Cage what she does. No. She says that she is an auditor. Yeah. So let that we'll let that lie. Yep. Um but Luke Which is Luke what? is having a prison nightmare, we should point out. Yeah, uh, just really quick. Why would Misty need to lie to Luke as to what she is? Now, no, never mind. Just answer my own she question. She doesn't cause... know who Luke is necessarily. Well, yeah, but like he works in Harlem's Paradise, so yeah, she, she don't want to. Okay, now I answered my question the moment I asked. Can't let that out. So, yeah. Now uh, Luke is awoken in the middle of the night by a prison nightmare. Yes. So get, we we get some little background on Luke get here. His ass beaten that nightmare. Right. Misty now, says she t- he talks in his sleep. Says so shades. 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 Sure. Um, now, Missy's got to go. Yeah. Luke's like, yo, let me get your number. She's like, nah. <laughs> oh. Oh, cold. Oh, just, is Iceman in this show? Yeah. Did Bobby Drake just show up? Yeah, freeze up the room? Stone cold. But she knows where he works. So she if she wants to see, uh, if she wants to go back in the cage, yeah, she knows yeah. where to find him. So you know what it reminded me of that scene. Remember the movie Boomerang? No, Eddie Murphy. I know the one. I didn't. I don't remember seeing it though. There's a scene where he's just sitting dejected on the bed, and there's a girl. He's just like, call, c- call me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Luke. But what I do note here is that uh, Luke is smooth. Luke is. He remarks to her, 
you would stand out in any room you're in. Damn. I'd, I'd, I'd jump his bones right there. I'd... Try that line later, too. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we cut to the crime scene. Cut to the crime scene. And we find out that Misty Knight is actually Detective. Detective Misty, Misty Knight. Knight. That's right. Now, her partner, um, the actor's name escapes me, so I'll just say guy that was in career opportunities with Jennifer Conley. Okay. Wow, that's a deep Deep, deep pull. Okay. Um he is also a character from the comics. Is he? Yes. Scarf? Is it Scarf. Okay. Um, but I felt that, you know, four character backgrounds might have been, you know, five might have been pushing. So he's going to be in later <laughs> episodes, so we'll get his information. Twelve milkmen is possible. <laughs> Thirteen is ridiculous. If you get that reference, kids. See, the actor's name is bothering me now. So oh, so look you. So you keep talking while I... All right. Well, they're investigating the crime scene, and you have yourself some dead bodies. Because yep. as we remarked, the crime scene, the the gun deal went bad, and when it went bad, someone who was in on the the Frank Whaley is the actor. Frank name. Whaley, there you go. No relation to Doug Whaley. Uh, uh, we find out that uh, Dante was killed. Yes, in, by Shamik. Yes. Now here's something that they they do. In the show, but given the show that this is in the universe that this show exists in, it's almost like they're saying Misty has some sort of powers. I was gonna ask about that. Yeah, but not really. But the way they present it... Yeah, the way they present it is she has some sort of empathic ability. I think it's kind of a misfire on the show's part, to be honest. Yeah. If, if she doesn't actually have abilities, which she doesn't... Uh, then they shouldn't have done it that way. Yeah, because show, it leads me to think, oh, she's got powers. And yeah. an uninitiated viewer of the show might think like, oh, it's like Daredevil. Yeah, if you don't read the comics and you're just watching these shows, you may very well think that she has some sort of power. Right. But no, it's just a visual uh, representation of how she can see the crime scene. Yeah. Because she's, she's a very she, good detective. She's a very good detective. Yes. She's intuitive and she can put this stuff together. So, yes. Yeah. Slight, slight misstep, at least in our opinion, by the show. I agree. Trust me, the show does not have very many missteps. So. No, no, no. Easily that's, forgiven. It just sticks out. That's all. Yep. Um, so, she knows Dante. How does she know Dante? She knows Dante's mama. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a sad reality the show deals with. Yep. That, you know, it's not, it's not so much grown-ups out there who are catching these bullets. A lot of times, most of the times, kids. Yep. Kids who don't know any better. Yeah. Um, so, cut back to the club. Yes. We meet Shades. Shades. I love this character. Fresh out of Sons of Anarchy. Shades shows up. He, he's Theo just, Rossi. Just really. I think that's his name. Yeah. Theo Rossi. And we also, we didn't mention, I apologize. Uh, Cottonmouth is portrayed by Maharsala Ali. He's I hope good. I'm pronouncing his first name correctly. Apologize, apologize if I'm not. Love this actor. He's good. He was. If you don't watch House of Cards, I don't. Plays a very different character on House of Cards. So um, he's getting all the Netflix money. Oh yeah, he's getting that <laughs> Netflix love. <laughs> all right, good on him. But uh, but yeah. So we meet Shades. Yeah. Now we find out that he is out of prison. Yes. He was in Seagate Prison. Seagate that, ain't shit. Seagate. According to Shades. Hey, family, Cor- family, show. Shades. family show. Family show, sir. Shades. Um, and also we find out that, uh, he works for someone named Diamondback 
and Diamondback is supplying the guns to Cottonmouth. Yes. There's a lot of snake references going on here. Well, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe Italians and Serpent Society. Uh, no, 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 I just realized Serpent Society are white supremacists. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. not tie-in. No. Then again, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cut back. Yeah, but, we, but one thing I want to uh, observe in this scene, everything we've seen of Cottonmouth up to this point portrays confidence, authority, yeah. and determination. The moment Diamondback is mentioned, he is visibly shaken. Yeah. Well, we find out he's more the Vader and not so much the Emperor. Yeah. Yeah. So. But Shades assures him, you're not being taken over. Yeah. Diamondback's, Diamondback's got your back. He wants you to win. I'm here to help. Yeah. You know what we missed in the first scene from Harlem's Paradise? What's that? And especially for us, this is bad. Oh. Um, Mariah mentions to Cornell. Kingpin. Yeah. Fisk. You don't yeah, see yeah, yeah. what happened to Fisk? You don't want that to happen to you. Yeah. Daredevil Dar- Dar- doesn't get uptown wonder. much, though. <laughs> makes me wonder. I'm really interested to see what... Like, yes, they announced that Sigourney Weaver ah. is going to be the villain for Defenders. Yeah, we didn't get to that in the uh, case files there. Did we not? No. Oh, my bad, folks. It's okay. In the Iron Fist trailer, we didn't get to that. Oh, God, That's we're okay. terrible hosts. We'll no, it's fine. Right. You know, be, is it wrong that I think Iron Fist looks like Chris Pratt? Yes. They look the same. They no, he doesn't. They get, the gentleman playing him looks a lot like Chris Pratt. He doesn't look like Chris Pratt. Okay. On the promotional material that's being used for Defenders so far, yeah. the limited stuff that they've released, like you see, it says Defenders with the different, different logos. letters, different fonts, but behind that is a hand reaching for the sign. So do you think the hand is the villain? Yeah. <laughs> I thought like, okay, we're bringing... We're bringing all these characters together. Is there a possibility that we're going to be bringing a lot of their villains together, too? But now we have Sigourney Weaver. She, yeah, she's an oddball villain. left. That's, that's kind of left field. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know they're going to make an aliens joke at some point. They're, because yeah. No, here's how you bring it together. Uh-oh. Because what was the incident? A- a- aliens? Invasion. Yeah. So it's good. You just be alive for Sigourney Weaver. I've had experience dealing with aliens before. Uh, See what I did there? Does she get a flamethrower? I'm going to say yes. Does she get a mech suit? I'm going to say yes because hashtag hammer tech. Does she at any point say get away from her, you bitch? All this can happen because who's one of the defenders? Jessica Jones. Okay. Wait, come on. What do you, what else you got? Because it can all happen. Uh, um, that that's it really. That's, that's all right. good stuff. Uh, Flamethrower, mech suit, hammer tech. Get away from her, you bitch, <laughs> Jessica Jones. <laughs> this is this is all good stuff. I, all hope, right. I hope this comes to fruition. <laughs> uh, so, boy. so we're back at pops. Yeah, and news has gotten out that Dante's dead. Yes, pops feels bad because pops was one of. Dante's kid, or yeah, when it was Dante was one of Pops' kids, as he puts it. You know, Pops kind of goes through this speech of how he tries to get these kids off the street. Right, very poignant line that none of these kids has a father. Every one of them has a gun. Yep, Luke Cage says it. Everyone yeah. has a gun. No one has a father. Yeah, and this is this is one of the I think one of the moments that the show kind of pauses and reflects on the status of inner city 
in a lot of cities in America. Yeah. I think it does an excellent job of it. While they they kind of pause the show, they don't leave the show. No. You see but, what I'm saying? But they let that line sit, and it, yeah. it's, it, it hits. Yeah. And then uh, we go we get to uh, uh, Mariah. She's at an event. She's working the camera. Yeah, dude, can I, my notes here, politicians, man. Phony. So skeevy. Dude, just, I mean, as a, as a point of reference, I went to, like, the uh, Buffalo St. Patrick's Day Parade once. And like cowboy, hey, I was you know I was in my twenties and wanted to get you know, all right, getting shit housed, whatever. But I was stone sober at, early on, and sure enough, who was in the parade? But I don't know some of our local schmuck politicians. I think yeah. Byron, maybe Chuck Schumer, although you know whatever. Anyway, when when they like are smiling and greet you and shake your hand, it is the phoniest. You you can just you can see it on their face and how they talk. It is so fake. It is just like empty void. Yeah. It is just a. It's just vacuous. Yeah. So I, mean, I see Mariah here, and that's all I can think is just like you are so phony. You are. This is such a, an act. It's yeah. just so fake. And that is driven home by when she gets to the end of the line, her aide is there immediately with hand sanitizer and just <laughs> douses her with it. How dare she touch the pores? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Just to again. It's been a long time since I played Devil's Advocate. Go on. Um, my all-time favorite television show, West Wing. Uh-huh. Towards the end of its run, like around its last season, actually dealt with in like just like a little quick thing here and there. Um, Alan Alda's one of the playing one of the characters running for president. Mm-hmm. And they actually deal with like shaking hands constantly, like the physical effects of it. And he's, like, having to put his hands in an ice bucket and, like, wrap it up in an air cast. You never think, like, you know, maybe not on a local scale like we are here in Buffalo, New York, but when you're on a national campaign and you're shaking hands, a lot of people believe in that good, firm handshake. That's, you know, you're you're an older man. I'm Like, yeah, I see the look on your face, and it's kind of like, you know, all this is BS, but I'm just saying. All right. Just saying. Okay. Like the West Wing. All right. <laughs> so we have another meeting between Cottonmouth and Mariah. Mariah wants dab money. Yeah. And as we find out, that money is now in the hands of Shamik and, and Chico. Uh, and Chico. And Chico. We, Chico and the man? We <laughs> Do we know where Chico is yet? No. 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 We know where Shamik we- is, though. <laughs> Shamik. Yeah, Shamik has a strip club. He's at a strip club. Yeah. He getting the booty in the face. Yeah. Again, Marvel. Was, my yeah, lord. Kind of wish he was somewhere else, but where else would you go? Yeah, I know, I know. So they want to keep Shamik there so that they can come pick him up. But the, the 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 lady at the at the club says if you want me to keep him here, you're paying me. Yeah. So she rats him out to Cottonmouth. Yeah. Then we cut back again to outside Genghis Connie's. We see a bunch of thugs that we saw in not only around Mariah at the event, but also, you know, with Cottonmouth. And they're handing out pamphlets for the new Harlem Renaissance. Which is Mariah's Which is essentially Mariah's front. Right. For whatever she's doing. But again, I think there's a part of this character that genuinely wants to do that. Sure. Um... Again, it goes back to that, you know, she's got, kind of got the one foot in, one foot out. She does, but it's, I think it's also, 
she does but why and yeah the why it, 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 it's nefarious it's, it's it's because she wants power and she wants recognition yep. so yeah um well they get shamik yeah and we come back to Harlem's Paradise, where we see Cottonmouth has some musical talent. We do. Do you happen to know the name of that instrument? I do not. I think it's just an organ. Not like a mini organ? I or... don't know if there's okay. anything specific about it, but the man can play. Yes. Man's got some talent. And again, uh, Luke, need to get paid. Asks his boss for his money. Money, boss doesn't pay me under the table, so I'll pay you when I'm ready. Yeah. But who then, should strut through the kitchen? Well, first they bring through Shamik. Right. And that Luke, ain't good. Luke and him kind of lock eyes, and Luke's like, what are you doing? Yep. But then Shades comes through the kitchen. Right. This freaks Luke out. Right. Because? Because Shades was in the dream in prison. He right. He recognizes Shades. He's worried that Shades recognize him, but as we've seen in later episodes, he didn't recognize him because Luke looked extremely different. No spoilers, but yes. Luke was sporting what we like to call the Kimbo Slice. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like was, yeah, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, as I have here, uh, good, good night, Shamik. Everybody wants to be the king. That, that great shot is, you know, Cottonmouth standing in front of the painting of Biggie Smalls with the, the crown on. Yeah. And walks up just enough. Do we get it's just it's a, it's a nice little camera trick. Gets up just to the point where he says everybody wants to be the king. Cottonmouth has eclipsed Biggie Smalls, but the crown. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you're drawn to in the painting. Yes. It's on Cottonmouth's head. So, Biggie. <laughs> he gets slapped like a bitch. He slaps him first. But like then slapped you like a bitch. Then then he then yeah. Slap then he jackhammers up. Slap time's over. I, I have a note here. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Netflix hates heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, a, little, a little bit. They don't like the head of the human anatomy. No, it's an easy target apparently. Because there were much some, much there suffering. Were some sounds reminiscent of a car door closing. I had some squishy, cracky sounds. Yeah. And props to Cottonmouth. He wasn't wearing brass knuckles or no. anything. No. He's just doing that work. If I can make a comment to Cottonmouth, sir, I'd be like, you know, you got a gift with 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 your instrument. Keep those hands. <laughs> you might not want to be doing this with your hands, my friend. Well, they're probably conditioned. To do both. I hey, as a guitar player myself, dude, uh, I value my hands. <laughs> oh, I get, I get it, I get it. So we cut back to uh, to Luke's apartment. Well, Luke, Luke uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you're right, Luke's apartment. Yeah, uh, Luke's thinking about running. He is. He's scared that Shades recognized him. Yeah, but he talks himself down. We have a very brief flashback to Reva. Yep, where she reminds and- everyone that. They have humanity. Yeah, we see that Luke, Luke has is a still, book collection. still keeping the picture of Reva in the medicine cabinet. Yes. It's just an odd place to keep a picture of a loved one. Well, you know, it's out of sight, but it's 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 there. Yep. So, uh, Shamik's body gets dumped. Yeah. Scarf and uh, Misty find it. Yeah. Know who he is. They're wondering who did it. At first, they think Chico did it, but as Misty remarks... Chico is a buck fifty wet. <laughs> ah. So, and then we get back to Genghis Khanis, which is a great, great scene. So, we saw it in the trailer. 
Now, this episode is called Moment of Truth. Yes. This is the moment of truth that the episode's linked to. So they're shaking down, these, these Harlem Renaissance types are shaking down Genghis Khanis for money. Yeah. Donate to the thing. For protect, it's protection. Yeah, basically, they're, is they're what shaking it is. her down for protection. Mode. That's right, and then and, and they tell they tell them we paid her already. We supported her before. We voted for her. Yeah, what does she need our money for now? She, enough's enough. And so it's strange that like she's trying to put up the front of a legitimate yeah councilwoman yeah, and these guys are just throwing around her name like it's nothing. I know, a little odd, but yeah. then again, hey man, fear is fear. Um. So Luke sees this, and he's not having any of this. No. So the moment of the truth. Yep. He goes in there and says, all right. Don't like your tone. Yeah, I don't like your tone. It's unnecessary. That's right. And a gentleman uh, by the name of Amos, I believe. Amos, yeah. He hey, uh, show, Amos, show Luke what you're famous for. That's right. Um, oh, Amos. And, and, and it's not cookies. No. No, it, it's, it's, no. no. <laughs> it's uh, a fist to the he, face. He had... Had had a very wicked right hook. Well, now he's got a compound fracture. Yes, <laughs> he no longer has that very wicked right hook. No, he has a he has pulp where his wrist used to be. Yep, because he tried to punch Luke in the face. And kids, if you don't know by now, Luke Cage has steel hard skin, and he is super strong. Yep, you ain't gonna punch him in the face. And then Luke proceeds to take out the trash. Yeah, cleans house. Except for the one guy. The one guy. Gets smart. Yeah. Didn't ever really like those guys anyway. That's correct. Runs for And it. runs for his life. And and Connie returns the rent money. Connie and her husband, they want to hire Luke to protect them. Now, as a comic fan, I kind of went like, huh, heroes for hire. Yep. Because Luke Cage, hero for hire back in the day, later heroes for hire when he and Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist, teamed up for the duration of the 70s. Yep. Um, but Luke says, no, I don't want your money. I got you. I got you. I got you. Luke. And then he puts on the hoodie. Puts up the hood. I like the yellow interior, by the way. Yeah. Nice little nod to the, to the yeah. comics. Um, we discussed this with Alan last week, the symbolism of the hoodie. Uh, I heard on our podcast this week, uh, again, I mentioned him on the show before Mark Bernard raised a very valid point about the hoodie, Luke Cage's hoodie in particular in this show, as we see, as it goes on later in the show, the hoodie is kind of Luke's Clark Kent hat and, and glasses. Hmm. Okay. Cause as you, you haven't gotten there yet. No. But as Don't spoil you, it for yeah, me. <laughs> you'll, it'll, it'll become clear in the show. But they kind of... This show kind of takes the hoodie back. Okay. For... for It gives it a positive uh, visual as opposed to the visual that it too often has in media and society. See, I'm still today. miffed about that, dude, because what am I wearing right now? You're wearing a hoodie. I love hoodies. I've loved hoodies for years. Yeah, but you're wearing a hoodie that says Metallica and you're a white guy. Either way, don't besmirch a whole line of clothing. Like, yeah, yeah. stuff happens, man. I know. I got no grip with a hoodie. All You're, right, no, I know. Yeah, I know you don't, but fortunately, there there are some people out there do. And I know those people are wrong. The show works to change that. Good. So that is the first Good. episode of Luke Cage. Any uh, any, uh, any thoughts? No, man. Uh, within one episode, I was I was. Uh, Fairly hooked. I was but good. I, I was but down. I, but what I will say about this show, it gets 
better as it goes. Yes. Um, if you were on the fence about episode one, uh, stick it out because uh, I, like I said, I'm not done with it yet. But yeah. um, six or seven episodes in, uh, it it gets really good, really good. Yeah, and trust me, it it stays good. Good. Oh, trust me. So good. Yep. Many, so much good. So much good. So if you've got some thoughts on Luke Cage you'd like to share with us or just thoughts in general about the show, as always, you can reach out to us at Twitter. Um, we're at Devil's Due Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Facebooks.com slash Devil's Due. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com. And of course, you can find all these connections at our fantastic website, the Devil's Due Podcast.com. Think that about does it for us here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. That's all I got. Okay. We, we, we are, we are uncaged. We are let, uncaged. Let us run free. <laughs> Court is adjourned.